This is the Hot Take Hockey Podcast with your hosts, Lucas and John Viveros. Hey everyone, we're back with the Hot Take Hockey Podcast. Myself, John, Lucas here, the legend. Uh, so we made it episode 15. Uh, I do apologize. I want to say right off the bat to anyone that was trying to join the live stream. Our intention was, and I hope we still will be able to do it, whether it's episode 20 or something going forward. We wanted to do a podcast on a live stream. So we can do live Q&A. We still want like Q&A, so like a mail bag kind of thing like throw your questions at us on socials and we'll get to it um so yeah that kind of sucked it didn't work out but we're still recording for episode 15 so it's available always on youtube spotify apple the hot Hockey podcast lucas man how you been how you doing i've been good man i mean i know we're hockey podcast. Good. yeah stash is coming in i'm getting a lot of uh compliments about it but it's gonna be gone soon because it's bothering me i mean it's itchy it's uncomfortable it's not my okay. regular look, but, uh, you know, it's cool to do this once, once a year and, uh, you know, good to see that I'm getting my donations going again. So, oh, yeah. you know, everything's going well in that regard. Um, and I know we're a hockey podcast, but cool to see that the world cup started and all that. So lots of exciting stuff going on, um, in my life and, uh, yeah, I mean, ready to rip through some topics with you, John, on what's going on in the league. Yeah, I'm trying to stay positive here, but I'm not going to lie, guys. I'm pretty down bad right now. A couple things get me down bad. Um, one being Riley injured. Uh, just a freak accident out for uh, minimum four weeks, it looks like. So it's tough. I think uh, I'm going on a trip to see the Leafs a couple games, not seeing my favorite player down bad. I was also going to say, yeah, I, I, I've actually done November the last couple of years, but man, the itching. Sorry, I wanted to say that quickly off topic, but um yeah man i'm so down bad i'm i mean i know yeah chris was saying i'm always down bad but no truly i'm actually like today when i saw that and like combined with like that i've already locked in with the tickets and just like going and um i'm still excited for the trip don't get me wrong but oh man right right when i right when i saw him on the ice john i was like man who's the first person i'm thinking of it's it's you bro like that's that's that and bro look at the defense when i saw that this one i was like man obviously i know the situation right now no riley no brody no muzzin giordano and hall are the top pair sandine lilligren and the third pair mete and ben i think or mete and hall isn't it mac hollowell or where's ben then um no, it's I think it's Ben and Hollowell. Victor Mete is the is the odd man. Extra, right now. okay, that's what it is. Yeah, he's yeah, the yeah, extra. Yeah. But, so Hollowell's going in. But it's crazy how fast it changes. And you know, we've been dogging on Justin Hall for forever. I know you have, and I, I've certainly had my criticisms about him. And all of a sudden, he's in your top pair. Um, and when your team loses their top three cap hits on D, this is the result of your blue line. Um, yeah, it's got to be one of the weakest ones in the league right now. Based off that, it's great to see Lilligren taking. You know, he's, he was inserted right into the lineup and was making an impact right away, and he's played really, really well. Um, but Sandian's going to have to take a bigger role. I know they tried to shelter Geo's minutes early on, but he's going to be really important for them now. So, yeah, the Leafs are going to be on survival mode for three to four weeks here. Uh, well, like you said, four weeks for Riley, four to six weeks is the estimate uh, estimated timeout right now. So, yeah, not looking good in Leafland on that blue line, John. Yeah, so I think it is something we need to discuss. And I just, I ripped mm-hmm. through. So Sarah Valley, like, are they going to make a move here? I, I mean, Sarah Valley listed guys. Um, the one trade we can talk about here and just, it looks like Nick Robertson's drawing back into the lineup at some point here. But 
I think both of us have kind of expressed our displeasure on how the situation's been handled with Robertson. And just um, so Sarah Valley a few days ago just dropped, why not do a Villanola for Nick Robertson one for one swap? I don't even know if that's like the question mark of like trading Robertson or not. I don't even know if they would want to trade Robertson for a younger defenseman when you have Sandin and Lilligren there. So I guess from my question to you, and we'll just go back and forth here is, would you consider a trade like that? Or if the scenario was you, you are definitely trading Robertson because the, the coach doesn't like him or, or something here is not working out. Uh, would you do that kind of trade or would you package Robertson with the other pieces to get like, I don't know, a chicken? Yeah. I'm really curious on what the trade value is with, with a guy like Nick Robertson right now. Um, but you know, uh, first of all, I want to answer the, the Saravelli tweet with yeah. Billy Hanola. Robertson Hanola. Um, yeah, Hanola. And he's, you know, he's a first round pick, 20th overall. Guy has, you know, a pretty, pretty high ceiling when the Jets picked him. Um, I'll be honest, I don't know too, too much about him. I know he's in the minors right now. He's only played a game this year for Winnipeg. Um, but something off the bat that jumps off is, you know, he's playing, he's 5'11. Uh, so you're, gra- you're getting another smaller guy. Um, but I think if you're going to move Robertson, which I really am hesitant to do right now, just because I feel like he has so much scoring potential. Yeah. Man. And his, his value is probably at an all time low, John. Like I'm not saying he's worth pennies on the dollar, but like for what he can be, I think you're trading an asset that isn't going to get you much for what he could be. Um, but it's crazy because I I've been looking at the Leafs lineup and thinking they needed to add an impact forward for so long. And now with these injuries, it's like, they got to address the blue line. Um, but I think if you're going to package Robertson, I would pick the latter and I would say you would be putting him in a bigger trade um, for a bigger fish as opposed to an unproven young guy um, just swapping for the sake of swapping. Because at the end of the day, if these two guys were traded for each other, it might be a fair trade. One team might rip off the other one in the long haul. Like we don't know what these two guys are. So yeah, it's kind of tough to say. And I mean, Robertson would have a fit with the Jets and... Mm-hmm. Hanola would go right into the Leafs lineup with the injuries. So in terms of both guys getting the opportunity, they would get the opportunity on both teams, 100%. I don't think that's the question here. I think mm-hmm. the question for me is like, like specific need long-term for the Leafs. So ignore this injury question marks. It's like Hanola to me, different, but drawing a lot of similarities to Erasmus Sandin. Mm-hmm. And I just think, are we really trying to do like, times two of an experiment here like i think the leaves are still waiting to see what they get out of rasmus sandy long term like i know sandy will be an nhl defenseman what kind of nhl defenseman same thing with lilligren i, I actually think it's been clear as day lilligren came back had a couple giveaways but like lilligren's looked better than sandy in my eyes at absolutely least absolutely more confident uh been involved in more goals been involved in more plays um i just think he's looked more mature overall. I think Sandy at times, but Sandy's also made a lot of brutal mistakes combined with the lack of confidence combined with the lack of impact. Um, but now, I mean, Lucas, if we're talking about it, sure. Giordano and Hall will probably get the matchups, the tougher matchups, but Sandin's mm-hmm. getting that number one power play unit now with Riley out. And of course I'm, I'm super down bad about it. Um, but if there's one guy that needs to step up right now, it's Rasmus Sandin. Yeah. And Rasmus Sandin has always been, you know, looked at as a guy who wasn't given that opportunity with so many left-handed defensemen on the Leafs. Um, and he's been begging for it to show. Uh, so this is it. This is your opportunity. Yeah. I think the next six weeks, if Riley's out that long are really going to be telling on 
you know, people are going to be judging Rasmus Sandin both internally with the Leafs and as Leafs Nation is going to be judging him to see really what he is. I've been hard on him since he's since the season started. I've just thought that like, ah, oh, he's just been really rough in his own end. Um, and I know he doesn't get that offer offensive opportunity, but I think defensively he's he's suspect a, yeah. a lot at times. Um, so this is really that chance for him. And I think bringing in, you know, tying the whole conversation together, bringing in this uh, Vili, uh, remind Hanola. me of his name now, Hanola, bringing him in, I think is another blockage for Sandine. And Sa- that also sends the wrong message to Sandine, right? Yeah. No, I know. And uh, I think for the Leafs, that's why I'm saying, like, if they're going to make a risky move like that to trade Robertson. Yeah. It probably should be a guy more solidified. I understand the change of scenery and I understand where Sarah Valley is coming from, but that proposal, um, I will say, I do think Chickering is overhyped in a lot of aspects. Um, I've always said that, but mm-hmm. again, you're talking about a guy that's like the cap. hits just over 4 million. It's a guy that, uh, while he doesn't bring that big time physical defensive game, it's like a bigger defenseman, still young like i don't think people remember sometimes it's like this guy's lilligren's age <laughs> like yeah. he was from the 2017 draft so uh there's still a lot of potential i think even with chickering and i think we're still seeing better we're gonna see better days from him so of course i'd be down for chickering like if robertson was part of that if i would be a little bit upset but if it was getting a guy like chickering and your boy Kerfoot's out the door. <laughs> uh, obviously, I'm joking and saying that, but yeah, yeah, I mean the cap hits are basically matching there. Like Kerfoot, uh, like 750 less. So send Kerfoot one way. You have the LTIR space right now. Uh, combine it with Robertson in the first. I don't. I, I think I'd be doing that trade at least. Like Robertson yeah. first, other prospect maybe. I don't know if Arizona's saying yes to that, but right now the rumored proposal right now is a first and two decent level prospects at the very minimum. So I don't know. And I think, I think that's a large gamble right now too. I just feel like as time has surpassed here, like I'm still pretty high on Chickering, but I think that with how much time has passed and how many games he's missed, it's a little bit of magic beans right now, especially for this year, like bringing him in this year. I don't think you can have these lofty expectations for him wherever he goes, because he's going to have to get accustomed to playing period then get accustomed to playing for a new team, new system, new coach, all of that. So when it comes to Chikorin, I think the expectations should be tampered a little bit. Um, but I still think he would be an unbelievable add for a team like the Leafs who need defensive help. And he would he would really, um, you know, if he came in, he would take, I guess, if the Leafs were all healthy, Muzzin's minutes right yeah. away. Um, but, you know, I just want to add that little caveat that he is a bit of, you know, magic beans right now in terms of we don't know exactly what he's going to bring especially this season. Yeah. And I think for the Leafs right now, the last few years and, and all the first round exits, like sure. It, it's, it, it's a chance to bring in maybe guys that want an opportunity, but I, I think the Leafs are past that point. Like mm-hmm. The Leafs are past experimenting. I, I want the for sure things. And that's why I actually in the stream, I suggested a guy like a Matthias Eckholm. I know there's been a lot of guys that have been thrown out there. Like, Freeman on Sportsnet throughout Dumba. Sarah Valley's talked about Dumba. And I know other guys have talked about a Nick Jensen or an Orloff or an Artem Zub. And I, and I hear all these names. I just, again, I, I want a guy like, I want the Muzzin when the Leafs acquired him, to be honest. And, and it's just, it's, it sucks because Muzzin's never been healthy with his team. And when he was healthy, Muzzin, I'm trying to think of what playoff it was, but Muzzin, when healthy in certain times in the playoffs, looked like the best Leafs defenseman. 
I think it was 19. I want to say it was 19, John versus Boston. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it might have been 19 or 20. Either way, Muzzin, when he was healthy, looked good. And we just, I'm trying to think, 20 did Dubois hurt him, right? Yeah, that would have been in 20. But yeah, the, the tough thing with looking at defensemen too, when you're trying to create these fantasy proposals and stuff, is there's a lot of good defensemen out there, especially right handed ones that would be really valuable to the Leafs. But at the end of the day, most are these teams going to want to move these guys. And often that happens later on in the season when they're falling out of the race, Ottawa is in a huge hole right now. So maybe a guy like zoo becomes disposable for them, but you know, for the longest time, the Leafs were rumored for like a guy like DeMello. Right. And with Winnipeg succeeding, like they are, I can't see them moving him. Or what about Scott Mayfield? I I'm a big Scott Mayfield guy. I don't know if the Islanders are going to want to move him with how they've started. Right. So it's like, you only have so many teams to really choose from. And it really limits the pool. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to keep an eye on. But I think when the Leafs are healthy, I think their blue line is okay. I, I really think – I'm not, like, super, super confident with it, but I think it's fine. Is that and, statement with or without Muzzin? Because we don't know if Muzzin will ever come back. Yeah, with Muzzin, I think it's it's good if he was healthy. I think the blue without Muzzin, good. you with, still without, love the addition without, with Brody without, Riley healthy? Without Muzzin, I think it's fine. Uh, it, my concern now becomes – you can't address all of these things people want. A defenseman, a third-line center, a scoring winger. You can't do all this. So if you're going to prioritize them, I almost have the scoring winger or a guy who can play center and wing legit, uh, not Kerfoot or Yarncroc. Um, I almost have that prioritized over D because I just think they're getting nothing out of that bottom six, like in ter- for scoring at least. Um, and, and Kerfoot has one goal. Like it's yeah. inexcusable. We're twenty. Well, games in. embarrassing right now in terms yeah, of that. We're twenty aspect. games and he's he's got six points, John. Like it's three and a half yeah. mil, three and a half million. Yeah, yeah. It's like I also do. Yeah, you know what, man? I I actually do. Like I'm not gonna just go crazy this pod, but like I've been brewing with a rant on like some of the disrespect some players get and some like so everyone wants to like dismiss Kerfoot's play and then people want to def- some there's some people that want to defend Justin Hall and it's like. I'm so tired of people ripping guys and then taking back their statements. Like I, if there's one thing that I'm just waiting for out of this Riley injury is all these people eating their freaking words, all the Riley trash talk. I know I'm so biased, but even like, even Brody, there was a couple games there, man, where people were like, Oh, Brody's not what he's been. He, he's not playing to the to the point we've seen him. It's like, Oh my, now they're both out. Enjoy, enjoy yeah, Hall, John. I gotta pull you. I gotta pull you back there for a second, because who are these people that are going at Morgan Riley? Like, bro, I need some up, ads. Man. Like, you gotta search people? up on Twitter, man. I, I was even, I was like, John, here, last John, night. I was like, John, you, yeah, not objectively, right? Or sorry, objectively, from my point of view, at least. Okay, like from what I've seen, objectively speaking, I like Riley, but I think this year he hasn't been his normal self. Okay, I think he's been good at times, and I think sometimes he hasn't been, you know, what I've expected of him. Oh man, okay? he's struggled defensively at times, and and he hasn't and, and offensively he hasn't got a goal yet. Like I'm not, I'm not. He dogging still on the went guy. into last night. I yeah. I get the second whatever you want to talk yeah. about with Riley, but it's like yeah. Leafland is Leafland. They. Leaf fans, there's a lot of Leaf fans that do not leave Leafland. They're stuck in Leafland and they don't know what else is going on around the league. So what happens is they have this idea of what a number one defenseman is. A number one guy. And guess what, folks? Guess what? Most number one offensive defensemen do not know how to play defense. Chris Letang, no. John Carlson, no. 
I'm just, those are two guys that have Eric most- Carlson. No, exactly my point. Rasmus Dallin. No, Brett Burns. Like, I'm so tired of Leaf fans in Leafland not knowing what is going on. There is the outliers. There's the outliers like a Victor Hedman. There's the outliers like a Miro Heiskanen. There are those kind of outliers. You also want me to outline another guy that's considered a number one defenseman but doesn't bring the offense? Slavin has, I think, five points this season. Five. Around five. And he's considered him and Burns are the exact opposite. Slavin, great defensively, no offense. That That's what, that's what the Leafs have. And, and essentially in a Walmart version, they have, they have the Walmart Slavin and Brody essentially. And they have the same production offensively as Riley Brent Burns. Same thing, basically, obviously different type of players, but you think Brent Burns plays structured defense. You're out of your freaking mind. It's not happening. It's just, it's just not. Yeah. And I, I think Nick Richard eight hours ago, this should serve as a good reminder that Morgan Riley is taken for granted by a lot of Leaf and, and Lucas, three big-time accounts. Three three accounts that had at least – I shouldn't say big-time. Three accounts I saw fresh into the overtime that had a minimum of 1,000 followers. One, I don't even want to call them out, but a big-time account were laughing that Riley wasn't in overtime, and, and they were confident at least we're going to win in overtime last night because Riley wasn't in, in, that, in that overtime. And I cited one of them on my Twitter. You're a joke, buddy. You're a freaking joke because you backed – you tried to backtrack your words after the game, after the Leafs lost. You tried to backtrack your words, and you wanted Riley to be all right. Dummy. Freaking dummy. Okay. That's a whole separate conversation on the three-on-three. I do want to touch on that in this pod, um, and three-on-three as a whole, how the Leafs play in it, but also just as a, as a whole. As a whole. Like. I love uh, when people try to throw one guy to the bus. Justin Hall was in overtime, folks, last night. Reminder. Yeah. <laughs> But but I and I also just want to have a general conversation about three on three and how we think you know how we think it's developed over time and whatever. But yeah. I just want to touch on this quickly because you know I was curious and I looked it up last night. Morgan Riley cap hit amongst NHL defensemen where he ranks. John, do you know the answer to this? Because if you don't, I want you to try to guess where he is. Um, I don't know the exact number, but I know like how many defensemen are so high. So I'm gonna guess he's probably around. 20 great guess he's at 18 okay Okay. he's at 18 so there's 17 guys ahead of him okay and when i look at some of these 17 guys okay i'll tell you right now objectively speaking there's a handful on here that are better than riley quite a bit better but there's a lot on here that in my mind just aren't they just flat out aren't okay you want me to rip through some i mean i can go for Uh, it oliver ekman larson right i know that's probably one of the worst contracts in the league he's a way above riley he's at 11 okay um, and if we're talking defensive zone as well, do you want me to highlight are these, that these are, this is salary for the year or cap it? This it's is the 20, salary for the year. 2022, uh, cap dollars. Okay. Either way. Yeah. Cap salary dollars. cap it. These guys are making okay. more than Riley. Cause Riley's at 7.5. Yeah. Okay. So you have Jared Spurgeon, a touch ahead of him at 17. I'm taking Riley Quinn Hughes ahead of, ahead of Spurgeon there at 16. Oh, I'm sorry. Thinking, you were saying Oliver Ekman Larson is 11 on the list. Yeah. Oliver Ekman Larson the cap it. What's OEL's cap it? It's like 8.25. 8. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. Keep going. Sorry. So, so we got OEL at 8.25. I'm not taking him over Riley. We got Quinn Hughes. I love Quinn Hughes offensively. Don't get me wrong. Defensively suspect. So oh, that's, a, that's another guy. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just but call him how it that's is. That's Bruce Lee point. <laughs> Leafers in Leaflet. They have no idea, man. Bro, they have no idea. That's like, another prime example. They have no when idea. You, when you get into the top 10, there are some 
world beater defenseman. Like I, I can go through like Petrangelo, Kale McCarr, Yossi. The best guys are up there. Better than Riley, but, for sure. Yeah, honestly. yeah, for sure, for sure. But there's like five, six guys that aren't as good. I mean, Brett Burns, we know how that Darnell contract's Nurse. age poorly. <laughs> Darnell Nurse is the fifth highest cap hit in the league at 9.25 amongst defensemen. It's it's brutal. Um, I mean, why I wanted to look this up yesterday is because there has been some chatter about Riley. I, I haven't seen as much as you. Um, but Morgan Riley is damn worth his contract. And although he might not be playing up to his regular standard this season for stretches, um, the Leafs are going to notice a big time when he's not playing. Okay. They just are like, you can't so naive. The the thing with defense, man, the thing with defense is is no one gives the credit to the, to the number one, number two defenseman on any team until they're gone when it's a fire drill in the own end in their own end. Like they just, you'll notice now we've already started to notice when Brody's gone, things mm-hmm. aren't as clean. Yeah. Brody and Riley. And Lucas, you know, what drives me nuts too. And and to me, obviously it's so like, it, it's, it's clear as day. Like all these conversations constantly that Riley's not a number one defenseman. He's not a number one defenseman. The Leafs are never going to win. Bro. Pittsburgh won a cup with Ron Hainsey on their top pair and Chris Letang injured. They were playing like Schultz and Hainsey were playing top. That's that's one example. That's an outlier. But what I my point that I'm making is go around the league and outside of the 10 or 15 clear out number one guys. Like look at all these successful teams. Like, can we honestly say that John Carlson is like worlds better than Morgan Riley? The Caps won the Caps won a cup with their two best defensemen, John Carlson and Orloff. Yeah. Uh, hello? Hello. Yeah. Um, and are we are we looking at recently with obviously before Colorado and Tampa, but are we looking recently with again the Blues after Petrangelo? Yeah, Pareko as well. But again, Pet- Petrangelo Pareko was pretty unproven at that point. It was pretty much Petrangelo and a bunch of guys that were good. They were good, but yeah. But what yeah. what I'm saying is like outside of. Makar and Hedman. So again, it's hard to make this argument right now with Makar and Hedman just winning cups. Mm-hmm. So it is hard to make this argument. But if you go the last 10, the last 15 years, obviously in the 2000s, when you see guys like Niedermeyer and go, go like Lidstrom, all these guys winning cups, like again, mm-hmm. hard to make this kind of argument. But my point in saying this is like, there's certain years where there's, there's no hall of fame or, or star defenseman. It's, People just want to focus on these like individual things the Leafs lack instead of like, again, going down to character guys that are making big plays for teams. We saw last year for Colorado, Darren Helm scoring big goals, Andrew Cogliano, big time plays, like some of these character guys. And we're looking at, again, what you just said, (laughs) we're 20 games in and Kerfoot has one goal. Yeah. Tell me when Kerfoot's made a big play in the playoffs. Tell me. Tell me, bro. This is why, again, I like the Cali Yarncrow signing. But Lucas, while I'm talking here, pull up Cali Yarncrow's playoff numbers while I keep talking here to oh, make my God. point. Oh, God. I don't even I don't Look even at Cali Yarncrow's playoff numbers. And he's played a decent amount of playoff games. He, he, and again, tell me, besides empty net goals, when Pierre Engvall's made a big time playoff like so, Cali Yarncrow, seventy-five games in the playoffs. He has that many. That, that's a lot. Yeah, it is though. Seventy-five well, I, games. How many points? Uh, four goals, fifteen assists. Honestly, that's not as bad as I thought it was. Yeah, the fifteen assists kind of surprised me, but uh, 
Yeah, but again, guess... but again, seventy-five games, only yeah. four goals. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. I thought it was bad. Uh, but again, my my point on saying this is, I remember when the Leafs signed Yarncrow. I was looking at his recent playoff. I think more so his recent. I think because Nashville had the the final run, Yarncrow was on that team, right? That's where he got a mm-hmm. lot of his games. Mm-hmm. Um, but my point on saying this is like. People want to criticize, and again, I've been criticizing Marner in the playoffs, so don't get me wrong. And I criticized Nylander in the in the Boston series, so don't get me wrong again. But I think we've seen enough in the past that, sure, the star guys need to be great. And Matthews, we can criticize all these conversations, but it goes past that because in big games, like we saw against Tampa, the stars were getting shut down. And guess what the depth was doing? Nothing. Zero. Absolutely nothing. And the only guy, again, that I actually loved in the playoffs was David Kampf because he was playing his role completely. Mm-hmm, he had mm-hmm. a couple big-time goals. He did. Yeah, That's I, the only John, guy I'm not complaining about right now. I want to say, too, like when we're talking about defensemen, Morgan Riley specific, number one defenseman specific, like these guys don't fall off trees, okay? If you want to run through all these guys we're talking about, Kale McCarr, Victor Hedman, Roman Yossi. Yeah. Uh, no, no, no. But the guys that were one cups, oh, one or got, cups. Or, yeah, or got yeah. to finals or got to finals. Roman Yossi, Nick Lidstrom, Duncan Keith. These guys never were traded. Like Duncan Keith moved on late in his career. But like these guys were on one team. They were picked. They were highly touted. Like it, it, the, the point being that you can't get a number one defenseman off trees, man. What you have is usually drafted from within and then you fill in the, the bottom two pairs. Okay. So Morgan Riley is the best d- drafted Maple Leafs defenseman. Since I don't know when, like I honestly, I, I when wh- who have we seen that that's better than him uh, in yeah. my lifetime? I don't think there has been one. Uh, but, I was gonna say, I, I mean, there's there's probably there's a couple I could pull up, but in our but in lifetime, my li- in, our, in our lifetime, I don't think there is one. So yeah. the the point is that like, man, he's served this team so well. And uh, I don't, this doesn't need to be a defending on Riley because I just don't, I don't think it's worth. Well, I mean, man, I'm glad you're joining I, in because I, I, I don't, I don't hey, think. I this, don't is think it's a lot, this is saying a lot because you've criticized Riley a lot in the past. And I want to make sure people yeah. know that. Yeah. And I have, and I have, and I'm on, cause I like Riley, but I'm, I'm honest. Cause I'm listen, your version of Riley is like Matthews to me. Okay, man, I'll defend Matthews till the cows come home. And, and sometimes I'm not honest about it. And sometimes I'm biased about it and I'm honest or I'm not honest, but Riley. Okay. I like Riley a lot, but I'll criticize him when needed. And right now there's no time to criticize this guy because he's, Head and shoulders, the best defenseman the Leafs have drafted, like in our lifetime. Um, yeah, I mean the last guy. I mean it's my other favorite player. Like I was, yeah. I was trying to go in our lifetime. There's not like yeah. as I said. So I was just double checking to not Caberle? to question our knowledge. It's Caberle. Yeah, it's Caberle. So the last defenseman that's even in the same breath as Morgan Riley, ninety six draft Thomas Caberle. Yeah, so, before I was born too, and yeah. Caberle was an assist machine. But if we're going to talk about, oh, Riley suspect in his own own his own zone and soft on the puck, like, love Thomas Caberle. Yeah, but you like, think Caberle was, was the defensive was magician? <laughs> no, like, so to basically to put a bow in this conversation, man, the Leafs are going to, the Leafs are going to dread these next four, six weeks. If they can, if they can play 500 realistically, like, you probably take it. Um, if well, you know what's above, also going to take, man, take is it. this, this is the time where we start seeing these. I'm not. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I'm saying like the high-scoring games. Like this is the time where Matthews just needs to start ripping. Yeah, he's got to get going. I mean, Tavares is ripping, but Matthews has got to start ripping a little more. And then, you know, let's see those six-five games like we saw against the Hawks a few years ago. But I just want to say to all the fake fans 
that were going into overtime laughing after a guy just got injured and you guys making such solid claims that the Leafs were going to win that overtime and the Leafs lost in overtime? Soak it. And I just want to say, man, I mean, I think you and I have always talked about it. Like, as much as I rip into guys, like, I've ripped into Marner, bro, every year. I've ripped into mm-hmm. Marner every year. But there's one thing that I've always said, and I said this. Marner, if he was to get traded, and, I, and I've been so irrational about it, he will explode with another team. I've always said this because I recognize the guy's talent, even though he drives me freaking nuts at times. And this was the first playoff against the Lightning where he didn't piss me off. So that's the thing. You can rip in a Riley. Rip. Yeah, yeah, but define define explode, John. Like, what do you mean? Because he's already he's already score he scores like not just goals, but points. No, but I'm just at, saying, at like, if he goes pace. to another team the, in playoffs, it's going to make the least regret. Like, I'm just saying, like, he's gonna he's gonna be the guy, or he's gonna play. Like, I'm just making the point of saying that I recognize the talent. I so when I rip Marner, there's a difference of saying like I rip him, but I also understand. Like, I think a lot of people <laughs> rip Riley, but also like dismiss him as a top defenseman or dismiss him as a big time contributor for the Leafs. Like they just call him trash. Like they, I've seen so many people straight out call Riley trash. Like how, how can you be competent and honestly call the guy trash? It doesn't even make any sense. Like you're, you've lost it if you're in that. In that John, game. these guys are either trolls or they don't have knowledge, man. You got it. No, man. Bro, these are guys with following on Twitter. I don't understand. No, you got to let these guys slide. Um, but yeah, right. I want I, I definitely want to touch on, on overtime. So, so part two of the pod, Coming right up. Okay, so let's get into the overtime talk. Um, yeah. We can start, I guess, with, you know, we're recording on Tuesday, the 22nd. So last night, the Leafs lost in overtime to the Islanders. We can start there, but I also want to break out just and overall just discuss three-on-three yeah. three as, to- as a whole. But, yeah, I mean, let's talk about the Leafs first because we're working in uh, with the Riley conversation. Uh, what do you think about the Leafs? They're 1-5 in, in overtime this year. It seems like with all the offensive firepower they have, they should be one of the best teams in the league in overtime and three on three. Um, but I bet you, if you look up their record, I haven't done the research fully myself, but to look up their full body of work, I know last year they were six and six in overtime. Yeah. If you were to look up the whole body of work with Matthews, Marner, Nylander, it would probably shock you because it's probably right around 500, if not below. Uh, that's not good enough. And yeah. it's getting to the point now where does Sheldon Keefe try to work this into practice? Even if it's 10 minutes, like, do you run three on three drills to figure out, you know, what the hell you're doing out there in three on three. And John also just wanted to add, like, what did you think about the disastrous shift Nylander had in overtime yesterday? And then Marner's gave away shortly after. Yeah. Well, I think the two guys you just listed combined, and I know you'll always defend Matthews, but those three guys together. And I would even say Tavares has done it a couple of times. So you're, you're talking about your four best forwards. And this is where I get really frustrated with people. And it's not even a Morgan Riley conversation. It's a generalized hockey knowledge conversation and directly with three on three talk to any coach talk to any player talk to anyone a simple strategy and mindset in overtime is man on man it's not mm-hmm. one player's defenseman and two players are forward it's not that play shinny hockey it's man on man mm-hmm. obviously i'm i'm joking around and talking about shinny but it's it's three on three man there's no there's no defenseman on on four like the whole point here is Nylander showed exactly why the Leafs are losing overtimes because the forwards don't have this mentality where you have, you have to play both sides of the ice more specifically on a man on man coverage basis in overtime in the three on three, when Riley even gets ripped, but it's not even a Riley thing. It's a, it's a generalized thing. As I said, Riley will get crossed up on, on one guy 
And then who was it that scored the Raleigh Smith? So Raleigh Smith comes from Marner's side. And as Raleigh mm-hmm. shifted to left side, which is the guy that he was covering. And again, Riley maybe should adapt in that situation, but that's Marner's no, R- guy. R- Riley Smith is Marner's guy. Riley Smith was Marner's guy. Exactly. Yeah. So my point is, sure, you can blame the defenseman in that situation, but you're out to lunch because three on three will always be, and I'll stand by that because it's common sense in my eyes. Three on three will always be a man on man situation. It's three on three. It's three on freaking three. Like you can't afford to allow your defenseman you're going to face two-on-ones every time. If the yeah, four, and, if, and, and last night, Justin Hall's guy was Brock Nelson, and Beauvillier was Bunting's guy. And Bunting just didn't pick him up and gave him a clean shot. Like, yeah. same I thing. I will like, say, Beauvillier's goal reminded me exactly of Zegers' goal, and yeah. Shalgren's probably got to stop both of them. But not the point. Not it's the a point nice the shot, top. man. It is a, a nice shot. shot. It is a nice but, shot. But, but, yeah, I think three-on-three three as a whole, man, it's like some teams have started to just – really adapt and figure out that, you know what, maybe it's boring, but hang on to the goddamn puck, you know, turn around, go for get your two guys off and change, you know, drop the puck back, get the third guy off change, like hang on to the puck. The Leafs go out there every time with the mentality that, all right, we win. If they win the draw, we win the draw. All right, let's get set up. Let's go. Let's go. Two guys in deep, go two on one. Yeah. Their puck management. And if they don't score on it, which they never do right off the gate. It's a two-on-one back the other way, which I get you're going to get in three-on-three in three three overtime, but they just easily give this two-on-one every time, and it's a goal. Like, And you can see it coming every time. Like, It's just like, if it's not there, even Nylander last night, when he's holding on to the puck behind the net or in his own zone, why is he firing these two-line passes to Matthews that go for icing? And thank God they went for icing, by the way. I was actually happy they went for icing, as opposed to they don't go for icing, and the Islanders have the puck, right? Yeah. Um, but it's like, if the pass isn't there, just hang on to it. Don't rush it, man. Like, hold on. Yeah, just their play. puck management in overtime has been brutal too. I mean, just overall, man. Like I said, they 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 don't have this three on three overtime mentality. Like even, and again, I know you love Matthews, but I've seen it like time and time again where it's he goes for his opportunity, and he's trekking back as if it's like five on five. Like, buddy, you are so much more important in this play because you not being there is a two on one. 1000 percent the second defenseman is not their guy like the second there's no second defenseman and and that's that's my problem in it is that there's no like message out there that like either man on man which it should be as i've been i i keep like I, i keep repeating myself as it should be or you have one forward that has that defensive mentality on that shift so you're basically having one guy committing to pushing the zone and then one guy that knows he's going to trek back and knows he's going to hang back with the defenseman, neither are happening. Literally neither. They're not man on man. And they're just both forwards are pushing up and leaving their guy. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and I've seen chatter and I've heard chatter at work through work, through friends that, you know, is three on three, the future, you know, of deciding games. And my response to that would be, as a fan, we all complained when it was four on four and no one scored and went to shootout. Okay. We all complained about that because the shootout's just a straight skills competition. Yeah. I get that three on three is nothing like any hockey scenario. There's never three on three during a game. It it like it never happens. Um, so it is also kind of a skills competition out there in a three on three. But from a entertainment perspective, I think it's way better. Um, from a skills perspective, with just the stuff you get to see with the best players on the ice, I think it's way better. I don't think three on three should go anywhere. I think it's still great for deciding the outcome of the game. Should it yeah. get there? 
Um, but you're really going to have people, if people are going to complain about that, you're really going to have no desired outcome that everybody's going to be happy with. Unless we just go back to the old, it's a tie. And I don't think people want yeah. that either. I mean, Lucas, if I'm being honest and I've yeah. been, I've been saying this for time, yeah, I would take in a heartbeat what you have in, um, what, what you have in NHL playoffs, but I, I'm okay with it. But, like, but that'll never happen, man. Yeah, but four on four, though. Like, I'm down to go back to four and four. But yeah, I mean, I know it will never happen, but I would love to eliminate the shootout and just rip four on four again. But if you, this is the thing, man. If you're going to rip any type of overtime, has to have an end time on it because it's just like, if it's going to go on for another 20, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, like multiple overtimes, you know, we have back to back games. We have, like, we risk injury in the regular season. Like, yeah. You know, it, it's just well, is like there any consideration? Is there anything in your mind where it's like adapt what the uh, NFL does and do a 10 minute overtime and then just tie? I like, I've always liked the idea of a 10 minute overtime. Um, whether that be three on three or four on four, I think 10 minutes, especially three on three, I don't yeah. think we'd see shootouts again. I don't think we'd have like it'd be almost impossible to get through 10 minutes of three on three without deciding the game. Um, but I, I actually. That's an idea I'd never heard, John. Like go, going the NFL route and doing the four on four, maybe, and then just tie. Uh, yeah. I don't hate. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So overall, I guess drop your comment, guys. Reach out to us. What you think about the overtime shootout uh, debate? What you think it uh, entail? Uh, but yeah, let's rip through some uh, just overall just topics and. I think we need that at some point. We'll we'll discuss the devils here. So we'll mm-hmm. we'll talk about that maybe towards the end of the episode here. But three big names right now in trade rumors, Lucas. Let's go over it and maybe make a prediction on maybe where we could see them end up. Uh, so let's start with the Eric Carlson's conversation. So a guy that like has looked like a horrible contract way past his prime. Well, he's back to his prime. He's looking good, um, but over eleven million. One, do you see it being the time the Sharks? Are, potentially rebuilding team or a team that wants to go for Bedard trading Carlson, because it's probably more of an opportunity now uh, and to where a couple teams and I'll get my thoughts as well. Where are a couple teams you could see Carlson getting moved to if there's an opportunity. If I'm sharks management. Um, yeah, are you doing I, w- it? yeah. I would definitely look at doing it uh, because I think the mission coming into the season should be to tank for Bedard. I just don't think your team's good enough to do anything in the playoffs and maybe by the grace of God, there's a chance they could be in the fight for a playoff spot, but I don't know if you want to be in that discussion. Like why even go for that if it's not going to end in anything uh, substantial. So if I was Sharks management, I'd certainly be doing it. I know we'll start off with the obvious one that everyone's going to shout about. Is there a potential reunion with the Senators? Uh, To that, I would say if you're Ottawa, I don't know why you'd be doing this other than for straight PR. Uh, You know, Ottawa is an absolute disaster right now. Uh, and they've been severely underachieving. So taking on a cap hit like that, even if it's... Yeah, I don't even know if the retained, money is possible. I even mean, if it's retained, even if it's double yeah. retained, I don't know if you want to lock yourself to that. And that chapter seems like it closed. Yeah, um, I mean, the only chance I see it making sense is if Zaitsev goes back the other way. And like I said, mm-hmm. the Sharks are retaining at least a couple mil on that. And combined with the fact that... If Carlson wanted it to go, like that's what I'm saying. If he waves the no movement clause, like then there's the desire combined with the fact that Sens fans need something to get excited. Like kind of what you're alluding to, like a PR thing. Like yeah. Sens fans need something to get excited about. I I would imagine Carlson coming back and Zaitsev going the other way. 
That would be the best day ever for Sens fans. The market would be buzzing. Trust trust me, bro. I, we just talked about Riley getting hate. It's not even like, that's like a joke of a conversation when it comes to like an actual guy that's getting hate right now. I actually think Zaitsev gets more hate than Justin Hall from Sens fans. It's bad. Like it's so bad. The guy, to the point, I don't know if you saw this. I don't know if it's real. So maybe, maybe. Oh yeah. The DM. The The DM. DM. I think that was real, right? I'm pretty sure real. that w- I'm pretty sure that was verified as real. Do so you literally um, have a player reaching out to a fan and, and chirping them? That's how down bad it is. Like that's how bad the situation with Zaitsev in Ottawa has become. Yeah. So you know what? You're talking me into it now because I'm thinking this maybe relieves the pressure and just the negativity coming out of the market right now. That if the Sens did this, it could actually you know create some buzz. So maybe maybe there is a fit. Um, but, but I don't know I'll what. Ba- ex- I'll bounce back after you there and just yeah. go. But. What happened to the buzz of getting Drew? What happened to the buzz about getting Debrinket? Like I know, and that the, buzz. The other issue, the issue that comes into play too, is Debrinket's a UFA, right? Yeah. So what fire DJ Smith, and they're gonna want to lock him up, and that's gonna be big dough. So I don't know if they want to have another yeah. contract on their books getting. In the that's way the that. thing, right? If they go after Carlson and they don't have major money being retained on that, combined with contracts out, you're saying yeah. no to Debrinket long term in Ottawa. You're just what? A, what about the Kraken? I know that's been talked about. What I would say, again, marketing PR thing, 100%. And I look at the scenario where uh, the Kraken have pending UFAs that they could trade to other teams, of course, and they'd have the cap. I think that could be a cool scenario. Also, just being a fresh expansion, expansion team in Seattle, actually playing decent this year at times. So it's like, if the Kraken, I don't know, wanted to just have one of these years where it's like, they get their younger guys more experience. I mean, they have to figure out that Shane Wright situation. Um, mm-hmm. So the Kraken and, are an interesting one. I saw that being suggested. Um, I have yeah. two teams in mind. Um, and, and, well, and the crack, the Kraken actually, shockingly enough to me, uh, that's why I wanted to pull up their cap friendly. They, they actually don't have that many much cap space. No, they don't. Um, so well, guys that would the other day or other way. Yeah, that would that would result in definitely a big contract or two moving out. Um, what uh, what teams do you have on your radar for Eric Carlson? Um. So the two teams I was actually thinking about, well, actually one team I was thinking about more so because um, they were looking at a different San Jose shark in the off season, Brent Burns, the Dallas stars were looking at Brent Burns and they were looking at him heavy apparently. And then the whole Klingberg situation, then obviously he went to the ducks and then they were trying to get Brent Burns. Brent Burns went to Carolina, Eric Carlson to Dallas. I think, Heiskanen and Carlson would become one of the best pairs in the league, if not the best. Mm-hmm. Um, and Dallas has a couple of big contracts they could send the other way, including the Hudobin contract, one. And two, if they were to send one of those big forward contracts, because I'm not saying it would, it would, work, it would work, but Sagan and Ben have actually been playing better. So if mm-hmm. Dallas and, and management wanted to move on, it's a, it's a better time to move on. I'm not saying it would be in that San Jose deal. But what I am saying is I think there is a fit for Carlson to be in uh, – in Dallas, because their two better defensemen are left shot guys in Heiskanen and Lindell. And their right shot guys, I think, include Colin Miller, Hawk and Paw, and this is just off the top of my head here, uh, the guy, Lundqvist. Niels Lundqvist, they just got Niels Lundqvist, yeah. So they could use a guy like Eric Carlson. So here's my thing. Here's my thing with that. Is Eric Carlson was you know one of the best offensive defensemen of the ge- of this generation when he played for the Sens, right? And he was yeah. the number one D and he ran the power play and all that. He goes to San Jose, you know, was good for a bit, fell off. And in a lot of it, you could deem up to injury, age, all that. But Brett yeah. Burns was getting the big minutes. 
yeah. uh, in terms of that number one power play. And I'm just wondering if in the scenario where he goes to the Sens or the Kraken, he's their number one guy on the power play. If he goes to Dallas, is he the number one guy on the power play? I okay, but think- my thing is, I get what you're saying there, but yeah. is it really that much far off? Because you just said the Ottawa thing, but Shabbat's yeah. there. Yeah, but right? I don't know. I feel like they might run Carlson with Shabbat's struggles. No, no, I get that. But same yeah. thing. I don't think high school, when I, I think Stars fans look at high school as like their number one guy, clear out. Uh, there's not even a conversation. But yeah, do they look at him as the power play guy? Like, mm-hmm. I think he can be on the power play, but they also did have Klingberg. And I think there was the versatility there. All I'm saying is, I think Heiskanen, sure, I think he'd personally probably want the power play time with the top guys. But I think if he's playing 22, 23, 24 minutes a night, and majority of that on five on five and then the penalty kill, then you run him on the second unit, Carlson. I mean, I see what you're good. saying 100%. It would look good, though. Saying, but it would definitely lay off Heiskanen's um, minutes a bit, but he's still playing the power play, too. He's still playing the penalty kill. I don't know. I still think him he would have that role, but Carlson being on that top pair would get the minutes combined with the number one power play. Um, I do have a hot take for the second team though. I think you might rip me for it a little bit. Let's hear it. Um, I want to wait. I want, I was trying to look at the sharks roster. Was there crossover or was Pavelski already gone? That's what I was going to ask. That's, that was the only other argument I was going to make, but live on the with, podcast here with Pavelski, I, uh, with Pavelski and Carlson on the my team. My knowledge is time. being a little dead right now, but I'm pretty sure he was there. Right. Yeah, yeah, Pavelski yeah, Carlson he was. He was. Yeah. So I'm, I was just making sure why I'm questioning my knowledge on that. I don't know because I was following the Sharks a lot that year. But anyways, Pavelski and Carlson will have uh, some familiarity there as well. But my other team for Carlson is a huge hot take. I don't think it would, <laughs> similar to Ottawa, I don't think it would actually work. But in terms of a couple contracts going the other way and, and getting some assets for San Jose, and it's also in the same division. So again, such a hot take. I don't think it would work. But Eric Carlson to the Edmonton Oilers. <laughs> hear me out for a second. Hear me out. Okay, okay. I'm ready to hear it. Let's hear it. They truly do not have a guy that like I look at and is like that explosive number one power play guy, offensive guy. Sure, Nurse at times has looked good. Contract's atrocious, but has sometimes looked good. I don't classify him as a top offensive power play guy. Evan Bouchard, at times he's manned that power play. At times he's looked great with that shot. I don't think Evan Bouchard's the guy I'm riding home about and, and going, he's my number one clear out offensive explosive guy. Maybe he becomes that. I don't know. But if I'm looking at Edmonton and I'm already looking at the forwards on that top power play and McDavid, Dreisaitl, Nuge, and if it's Hyman in front, Obviously, Evander Kane, when he comes back, could be in there as well. Imagine Eric Carlson manning that point on that power play. That's what they've been missing, man, because Tyson Berry has been on that top power play for so long. And he's the only disaster part on that power play. Or at least he's the only part on that power play where it's like, it could be much better. Yeah, so I guess Tyson Berry is going back the other way. That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, Yeah, That's exactly what I'm saying. So what I'm saying is you have Edmonton with contracts that they wanted to move in the offseason and Warren Fogle and they signed Jesse Pujarvi, but there's still the rumors. If you attach Fogle, Pujarvi, and I don't know if you want to fact check me on this, Lucas, but I'm pretty confident with my, mm-hmm. with what I know here and Tyson Barry. So Barry, mm-hmm. I think about 4.5 Fogle just over two. So we're at about six and a half right there. Closing on seven mm-hmm. plus Pujarvi. You're closing in on 10 million right there. 
That's yeah. almost enough to match up on Carlson. The Sharks retain $2 million on Carlson. Or even $1.5 on Carlson. And, and you get Pugliarvi in a fresh setting. Fresh setting for Pugliarvi. Yeah. That is my hot take. You attach the first-round pick. You attach a couple prospects. I'm probably saying Broberg. Philip Broberg goes to San Jose. So Broberg and Pugliarvi. I think Pugliarvi would play well. And... Yeah, and I think the first-round pick and Broberg could be enough to incentivize San Jose to make a deal like that, get rid of that Carlson contract before it becomes bad in a couple of years. And Edmonton gets a nice go into the playoffs. But as I said, if that power play gets going, more so than it already is because it's disgusting, McDavid, Drysaddle, Nuge, Hyman, Carlson. That'd be wild. That would be wild. That's my hot take. I'm not, again... The money checks out, buddy. The money checks out. Obviously, Edmonton's goaltending, still a question mark. But in terms of what you need to win a championship, if they got Carlson, you can't say the Oilers don't have that. If Stuart Skinner or Campbell can figure it out, that's all I'm saying. It's a hot take. I don't think it works. But in terms of the contracts of Fogel, Pujarvi, and Barry, if the Oilers could get assets, as I said, like a Broberg and a first and maybe something else to incentivize San Jose, yes, it's in the same division, but this is going to already be a hard trade to make. And you know I have to make some hot takes on this pod sometimes. All right, let's, go into, let's get into Bo Scorvat. Bo Horvat. All right, so yeah. I'll start here. You start with this one. I don't know if it was Freeman or who or Merrick or whoever it was. So I'm just going to toss it out, not as mine, but just say that one of them said that one team that would make sense for Bo Horvat, I don't know if you saw it, was the Columbus Blue Jackets. Mm-hmm. And I guess it does make sense. I mean, Horvat in the middle next to Goudreau in line a long-term. I mean, they want to commit some money for a centerman. It makes some sense. Um, I actually just put this in a thumbnail for the stream, and I actually think – and I actually talked about on the last pod, Boston. So I'm also going to dismiss Boston in my answer mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. But I have a hot take here. And it doesn't make a lot of sense. But I actually think in terms of making them like the most scary ever that they possibly could be, I actually have the Rangers as a team. And again, I don't know how they would make the money work. But this is where I'm coming from here. Is that to me, when I look at like still Kako and Lafreniere, and like when I when I talk about the Canucks trying to like go in one direction. Like if they want to get younger here and I'm just mm-hmm. thinking the Canucks and Rangers making a deal. So I'm going to pull up the Rangers cat friendly here. And this is where I think this trade could go. So obviously they just signed Trocheck, and this is such a hot take. Cause again, I have to, I have to get spicier with my takes because Boston and Columbus are the easy answers apparently, mm-hmm. but there's a couple contracts that could go the other way here. One being Philip Heedle. He's a pending RFA. I feel like the uh, the Canucks could look at that guy as a intriguing option. Kako is 2.1, not much of a contract there. But again, Kako could go the other way here. And if Barkley Goudreau is part of this, going the other way, he's a modified no-trade clause. So 15-team no-trade list, there's a very high potential he has the Canucks on there. So he would have to waive that. But with those three combined, you're looking at in around 6 to $7 million. I think Bo Horvath could look at the Canucks, or sorry, look at the Rangers and be like, that's a contender right there. I would take a little bit of a discount. Maybe Horvath sign, I don't know, 7.5 long term. Mm-hmm. So Again, my maybe question that's not enough, Bo, but does Bo Horvath, Bo Horvath does not have a no trade clause right now, does he? 
Uh, I don't believe so, but I okay. mean, uh, the UFA. Because that adds into it. And for me, when I think of Bo Horvat, I'm trying to figure out, is there teams out there that are going for it, right? Like the Avalanche, that would be interested just as a one-time year. You know, one quick rental guy, go win another like cup, and then he goes, right? And that's why I have Colorado circled. I think he would literally be the perfect replacement for this run uh, for Nazem Kadri when they lost yep. Nazem Kadri. I think he would could put up, you know, the similar numbers to Nas and really be a difference maker for them on the power yep. play too. So I love Colorado as an I like option. that answer a lot. And yeah, man, that's, that's my point of, even when I was trying to make the case of saying like the Rangers could try to keep Horvat long-term, it's yeah. even just for now. Like if they yeah. were to trade literally Heedle and Kako, like, I don't know if Rangers fans love hearing this, but it's like you'd have going into the playoffs, Zibitajad, Trocek, Horvat in whatever order you want. Um, 5.5 million right now as a, as a rental potentially for yeah. Horvat. Um, I love that Colorado answer, man. I, 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 I feel like I actually brought up Colorado as, um, as the option for who was I just talking about the other day? Um, well, I actually did discuss when Dubois was going through rumors, but Colorado is an interesting one. I think we should discuss Colorado in general going for a center. Cause I love that Horvat answer in the sense that mm-hmm. new hook hasn't filled that role this year. Not at all. Not at all. And I think it is a conversation um, of Colorado going for a big time center rental. And uh, I think that is a big time example of that, the Horvat. But again, will the Canucks let it get to that point again? Because the JT Miller, I can, I mean, it's backfiring on them, but that was a scary situation for Canucks fans. That I mean, now it's scary in a different way. Um, yeah, I think Colorado eventually, though, whether it's Horvat or not, uh, that's why I think Horvat's such a good fit. They're going to have to make a move for that second line center, and it's going to be an impact guy because you know they're going to try to go for this repeat. And Evan Rodriguez, Alex Newhook, JT Comfort, none of these guys cut it. I'm sorry. These guys are all pieces, but none of them are going to cut it uh, even close to what Kadri did. So that's why I like them. I also, my second answer, Washington. I think Washington with okay. Backstrom being, we don't know yet, if he's coming back and if he does, what he's going to look like. Is this like, is this only if Washington gets back in the playoff picture? For me, this could or be this either past this, that? This could be either scenario. This could be if they're going, if if they get back in the playoff line, this guy could be a rental and try to resign. Or this could be, you know, they're near the bottom uh, in two months' time. They're still struggling. And they say, you know what? This is our center for the next five, seven years. You know, this is our plan post Ovechkin. Yeah. Um, and Kuznetsov and turning the, and Backstrom. This is this is turning the page on the old team. And Horvat comes in as your new guy. Uh, so that I I like that as a as as a framework too for Washington to restart their team. Um, you know, looking looking into the future. Also, I like that. We'll see, man. I I think Vancouver. I mean, I already made it clear in the last pod, and I think you were kind of agreeing to is like Horvat's not the problem. You should probably be keeping no, Horvat. No. There's other guys you should be moving. I would even, I mean, we'll talk about it maybe in a future pod. And if more rumors pop up, I actually could see a scenario where the Canucks trade a Brock Besser. And I mean, you know, it's funny. I'm not going to, I feel like it's been a conversation in the past just from Leafland, but, and I'm not sparking the rumors here, but scoring winger, Besser to the Leafers. Ooh, an American <laughs> connection with Matthews. <laughs> we'll see. The guy needs to get going on the scoring. I mean, being in an offense like that, maybe. But again, uh, I don't know if it's realistic. Uh, so getting towards the end of the pod, let's just rip through it and then we'll just quick 
fire topics, but Chikrin quickly uh, for mm-hmm. you, where do you see a team or two for Chikrin? I feel like it's the cop-out answer. And I know a lot of people have talked about it, but I, I really like the fit for him in St. Louis um, and upgrading that blue line. I Big think time. bringing in Chikorin, you know, I think the last pod we were talking about, they had just started to turn the leaf uh, St. Louis. And now they're on a ripper right now. I think they're on a six game win streak. Um, I think it's seven or eight now. No? It, you know what? It's it would be there. seven. It would be seven. Cause they, they would have been three and yeah, That's yeah crazy. it would have been seven. That's they're on a crazy. seven. They're on a seven game ripper. And I think, you know, that team can score and you know, they, they, they got a deep offense. Uh, and if Binner can hold down the fort, I think they, if they add one more big piece on the blue line, uh, you know, they got a really complete team there. They got a good I also squad. think in terms of getting Pareko going too, I think Trickering could be a nice guy next to Pareko. Oh yeah. And then all of a sudden that blue line, cause I already think it's good. That blue line becomes like a, uh, elite team. Blue Krug, line. Like, Falk, Chikrin, Pareko is your top four. Yeah. Yeah. Looks great to me. Letty in the I mean, bottom pair. It's Pareko's got yeah Letty on the bottom pair with uh, yeah. whoever Bortuzzo or or yeah. uh, Mikola or whatever. But yeah, man. Uh, yeah, I just uh, Pareko's got to get going. He's struggled to start. I, I honestly can't say I haven't watched the last few Blues games. So maybe in this winning streak, Blues fans, let me know if he's been playing better. But the start of the season, I watched a couple Blues games. The guy looked atrocious. So he's got to pick it up. Um, Who do you yeah. got for Chickering? L.A. L.A. Mm. It's been my answer. I think Ottawa was the lazy answer for me. I I I, I don't Ottawa should have bit by now but la for me because again it's just too easy man as you said with the blues like put them on that left side next to dowdy hello um or even like wherever you want but the left side la needs a guy on the left side they've got dowdy on the right they've got jersey on the right they've got a few guys on the right um knock edler down or out of the lineup get freaking um chicken in there mm-hmm. um i like that fit i mean I would even say, <laughs> I think both of us just talking to Leafs a lot this pod. I mean, if oh yeah, we talked about it earlier. So Dubis, ring the ring the phone. But uh, yeah, I think LA and St. Louis for me on paper right now probably make the most sense. What about the Jets? Team. What about the Jets? Yeah, maybe. But again, it's the Jets are crowded on defense. They don't. Ask, I, I think yeah. they could use a like they could use a a chicken, but they would have to send guys the other way. A uh, couple mm-hmm. defensemen. They've always been crowded. That's that goes back to the Billy Hanola conversation. So I don't know. I think the only other team I would say, just in terms of going forward long-term, if the, and this might be an off season conversation too. If the capitals were to trade a guy like Orloff leading into the deadline, if they're not in a playoff conversation, maybe chicken, if chicken doesn't get traded, that could be a guy they go after because they'll need left shot guys. I mean, yep. uh, they are really weak on that left side as it is and they're going to need someone else other than Martin Fairvari. I can tell you that. So uh, if Orloff's gone, they will need someone else. So that would be my other hot take. But St. Louis, L.A., Ottawa, Toronto would be my top four, I think. This is this is Washington's stinky left side right now. Eric Gustafson, Martin Fairvari, and Matt Irwin. Orloff's playing on the right, or is he in? Oh, he's injured right now. He's, he's injured, injured right now. He's injured so they, right now. they yeah, got yeah. Carlson, Jensen, and TDR on the right. Barry's not bad. He's actually decent, but Ir- yeah, but, th- but <laughs> this is the worst. This is by far the worst Washington Capitals team um, that Ovechkin's had since you know almost like he burst into the league, like since his first few years. I mean, yeah, this, and I mean the, this the team's injury really issues thin. have been so like Oshi was out, and yeah. Wilson's not back, and Backstrom's not there, and Kuznetsov's kind of been out to lunch yeah and kuznetsov what a freaking guy one year out to lunch next year buzzing again out to lunch again 
Couldn't believe he went on waivers. I scooped him in fantasy. I'm just waiting for him to get going. Oh, I, thought, I was like, <laughs> waivers in the show? No. No, 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 no. In, in my fantasy, like, you went on waivers. Yeah. Can you imagine? <laughs> Breaking yeah, news. <laughs> Breaking news. Koozie's on waivers. Um, quick hits here at the end. Last three minutes of play. Devils, man. Still buzzing. Can you believe it? And, and yo, Keith Yandel. What do you think about that statement? He did, he's not sold on the Devils. Did you see it? No. What do you say? Yandel, Yandel went on, like he's on freaking national broadcast going, I'm not sold on them. I still don't think they're going to make the playoffs. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so nobody. I, I, man, I've been having these conversations with people and at a certain point, it doesn't matter how good or bad of a team you are. When you rip off 15 games and like, what are they at right now? 12 or 13? <laughs> 13 they're at 13 right now as we speak. Tomorrow, they play the Leafs. Okay. And that would be 14 if they win that one. They're, they're at 13. If you rip off 15 wins in a row, it doesn't even matter how good of a team you are the rest of the way. You just got to hold serve. You literally just got to be a 500 team or even a little worse, and you're making it. it like You just can't have it all fall from under you, and you're making it. So the Devils, well, I, they're they're making it, buddy. I'm, I'm ready to I claim it right here it. and now. I'm claiming it here and now. That the Devils will be in the playoffs. I'm still standing by saying, I said wildcard team with their goaltending was good. I'm saying wildcard team right now. To me, I still will stand by. I think the Penguins are going to turn it around. My top three teams in the division, Rangers, Hurricanes, Penguins, and whatever order you want. So in, in the case of what we're seeing right now, if, I don't know, if the Panthers don't show consistency throughout the whole year, I think they could be in trouble. And I think it's going to come down to one of the Atlantic teams versus those two Metro teams. I think the Devils could be in a division spot. Don't get me wrong. I'm just yeah. standing by my take. At the yeah, start no. Of the, year. the only reason I'm jumping off. I mean, I had the Devils in the conversation, but I think I had them just out. The reason I'm jumping off that now is just the points they've banked, man. Like oh. for them, to, for them to miss the playoffs now, they have to. If they, John, if they perform three games under 500 the rest of the way, they're in. Like it, it's, they have to completely fall off. Pittsburgh's got. 11 points a difference between them and New yeah, Jersey. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Like, I mean, I had the Devils in my final season predictions, a lazy take, because I just thought the goaltending would be shit. I'm mm-hmm. not going to lie, guys. I thought the goaltending would be garbage. I had them second last in the division. That's embarrassing for me. Quick um, hit Boston. Quick hit Boston. What do you think about the Bruins? Every time we come on here, they haven't lost again. Like, Yeah, I, feel I like- mean, they're legit. I mean, like I said, I, I think the, the three top division teams, like, I don't think many people will be surprised by the Atlantic. I mean, Boston, Tampa, Toronto, if that's what it is, I don't think people are shocked by that. That means the Leafs are playing the Bolts again. (laughs) Bolts. Bro, it's hilarious, man. No, no, it's actually funny that the Leafs are, like, I would put a 90% tag on it right now. Unless the Leafs fall to a wildcard spot, they are 90% chance of playing Boston or Tampa. In my eyes. I mean, like, they'd have to fall to a wildcard spot. And even that, they'd play one of them one of those first place teams, which is probably one of those two or Carolina. All right. Who else you got? Uh, yeah. Last quick hit. I would say Winnipeg jets need to be more of a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, both the jets and Vegas to me are the two teams I'm watching out for in the West, but more so Winnipeg because we had Jesse Pollock on, got to give him a shout. And I think including myself, we're probably just laughing at the jokes but they weren't jokes, man. He had confidence in his team. I, I, <laughs> I mean, he, he he sprinkled in a little Matthews to Winnipeg once Matthews' contract's over. I mean, I think that's where it got crossed up. But, I mean, Winnipeg's legit right now. Hellebuck's legit. Um, and that's a team right now that I think 
if they were to go into a playoff matchup against one of those other Canadian teams, like I, I was watching that Winnipeg Calgary game. That was a fun game. So, I mean, Winnipeg is an interesting one. I, I, uh, I think a lot of guys have a lot to prove Dubois, Shifley, Wheeler. There was a lot of stuff happening in that dressing room. And I mean, some teams with the bad dressing room went one direction, like the Canucks and one team with the bad dressing room, Winnipeg went in the positive direction. So it's good to see. Yeah. All right. We'll keep an eye on those teams and report back yep. next pod. All right, guys, any questions, anything, drop them. It was great to chat. And episode 15, we'll keep the podcast rolling. Apple, Spotify, YouTube, hit us up on socials, and we'll talk soon. Peace. Peace.